Hello, everyone, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday. Sorry, Tuesday. I'm getting ahead of myself here, aren't I? It's Tuesday. It's not Wednesday. It's uh, t- Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I'm Mike Achopoulos. Well, it's easy to get the uh, the days mixed up. You know, it's easy to get the days mixed up because it seems as though we're in this cycle now of kind of the same news over and over, right? I mean, we have we have the uh, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, and uh, that's going exactly as I said it was going to go. Where well, they do this big raid, and the the mainstream media, the left wing, the DNC on media would throw out all these accusations. Oh, it's nuclear weapons. He was developing a nuclear weapon. Oh no, he was in goods with China. All this stuff, and of course they say, well, we'll know several months from now. So basically, what November ninth, they'll know the day after the midterms. And just like with everything else, all the other witch hunts against Trump, it'll go nowhere. It'll go into the ether. But of course, they'll got they'll get what they wanted, which is a uh, uh, hurting the Republican nominees, who are basically, as we know, I think I think ninety two percent, including one today, one big one today, ninety two percent of Trump's uh, uh, nominees have won. Ninety two percent of the Republicans he's endorsed in primaries in this cycle have won. And so they want to hurt their chances. They want to hurt their chances in the general election in November. So we know this is a big, this is the the main thrust. Part one, the part one of this current witch hunt against Trump is to hurt the Republicans that have been blessed and ordained by him in November. Part two, of course, is hurting his chances of running again in 2024. They don't want him to run again. So that's kind of the one-two punch. And we're getting in the same news cycle now. If There's really nothing new coming out about the raid. There are little things here and there, like passports taken and 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 and, uh, and documents that Trump says are uh, attorney-client privilege documents that they need to return, stuff like that. But there'll be no conclusion. I mean, look how long it took. There'll be no conclusion until it's politically advantageous for him to be a conclusion. Uh, and of course, everyone will say, oh, of course, they, they said after the election, nothing was there because they wouldn't say before the election, nothing was there because then, of course, they couldn't hurt Trump and his nominees. Um, but look how long it took the FBI to figure out that Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. Like, no shit, Sherlock. It took them 10 fucking months, 10, almost a year, just to figure out that Alec Baldwin actually pulled the trigger on the set, that accidental shooting. So if it takes them 10 months to figure that out, which everyone with a fucking brain and IQ above 28 knew, you know, they'll drag this out for as long as they have to. So we're in this cycle now where there's going to be no conclusion to this. And we're now we're just seeing how this will affect the, the, the November 8th elections. But a big, another big win for, for Trump today was a Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney got destroyed, absolutely destroyed by Harriet Hageman. Harriet Hageman actually won by, I believe, latest count is 36, 36, 36 points, I believe, like 65, 29, I believe it was. Remember, this is a Cheney running against Hageman. This is Dick Cheney's daughter. And she was absolutely annihilated in the state of Cheney, Wyoming. Now, many will say, many will say that 
that she won because of Donald Trump's endorsement. Yes, that's a part of it. And that she won because Donald Trump was very popular in Wyoming and her whole shtick was going after Donald Trump and voting for the impeachment and doing the January 6th things and all that stuff. And yes, that's also part of it. But the main reason why any representative to Congress, the main reason why any representative to Congress loses is because they did not represent their district. Now, in Wyoming, it's that weird thing where it's just one district. So actually, the congressperson has more power than the senators. There are two senators and one congressperson. The congressperson represents the entire state. So she was not doing anything for Wyoming. And she said several times, and Dick Cheney in that, thank goodness, don't have to watch that stupid commercial anymore, where he said, his daughter's main priority. He actually said that in his ad for her was his, her main priority was getting, making sure Trump couldn't run again. Now, I don't understand. See, this is why she didn't really care about her seat in the house. This is just a vendetta. This is just a Cheney family vendetta against Trump and to make his life as miserable as possible because he knew that they were warmongering evil shitheads and he actually said that many times basically in his own way that's my way he did it in his way and he bashed bush cheney for years he bashed the iraq war he bashed dick cheney he said oh dick cheney's the real president so on and so forth so stuff like that and cheney hated him cheney also hated him because he didn't kiss the ring of cheney he was an outsider he was anti-establishment it's the same reason why people like biden and hillary and uh Clyburn kissed the ring of them. He doesn't, he's outsider. So this is what happened. She, 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 he was an outsider, Trump. So the Cheneys hated that. They don't want an outsider leading the Republican Party. They don't want an outsider being president of the United States. That's the last thing the Cheneys wanted. And on top of that, the bashing he did at the Cheneys before he was president and during, while he was president, this was just a chip on their shoulder, a vendetta. They knew. Liz Cheney knew that going after Donald Trump in Wyoming, representing Wyoming, was a death sentence for her. She knew that because that was actually Trump's, I think, his, his largest win. His largest win, I know, in 2020 was Wyoming. I think he wanted something like 72-28 over Bush. So she knew that it was a death sentence to go after him in Wyoming as far as her career in politics in the state of Wyoming goes, but she didn't care. Why would the Cheney, she doesn't care. She's loaded. She got even wealthier over the last few years. She doesn't need that job. So she knew, she knew going after Donald Trump was going to destroy her chances of reelection in Wyoming, but she didn't care. She only got that job. She didn't say this when she was running the first time, but she only got that job so she could do what she's done to Donald Trump over the last couple of years. That's all she wanted to do. This is how cheesy, this is how evil and cheesy the Cheneys are. She just wanted that job for as long as she could. She fooled Wyoming, people of Wyoming, to believing she was going to represent them. And all she did was go after Trump for two years, and she did nothing for the state of Wyoming. She didn't bring back the bacon. She didn't do shit for them. That's why she lost, because she was not the representative of the state of Wyoming. She was the representative of her, of her father going after Donald Trump. She was the representative of the Cheney family going against Donald Trump. That's why she lost and lost big, and she deserved to lose big. 
And to show it's all about the Cheney family ego in her concession speech, which I'm sure she had written for weeks, if not months, was that, oh, Abraham Lincoln lost two ones, and Abraham Lincoln, I'm Abraham Lincoln. And she, she hinted that she might run for president. God forbid, another Cheney in the White House. Holy shit, this one, the actual president? Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. So anyway, it's all about her ego and the family's ego and the family getting back at Donald Trump. That's all it is. I mean, when, you, when the father actually admits that the daughter's main main agenda is making sure Trump can't win anymore. That's not what Wyoming people in Wyoming or anyone in this country cares about, but especially in the state of Wyoming. They don't give a shit. That's not, that's not what's on their mind. In fact, most of them want him to win again. They care about like, you know, paying the bills, you know, the farmers. It's very rural. They care about paying the bills. They care about being able to support their families. You know, the things everyone cares about. But it's also very rural, a lot of farms. And this is what they care about. And she did nothing for them. But she didn't even pretend to do anything for them. Because her time in Congress and her time in Congress remaining, unfortunately, till January 3rd, whenever it is, will be at trying to get back at Donald Trump for not kissing the ring of Cheney and, and the Republican establishment. That's it. That's all. To, it's not about like, oh, he's so evil and he can't go near the White House again. And he he trashes the Constitution, all this bullshit that she'll say about him in January 6th. But once January 6th happened, I mean, this was the perfect opportunity for Cheney, for Liz Cheney, to continue to go after Donald Trump and make that her number one priority that he cannot run again in 2024, that he could never be, as Dick Cheney said in his ad for her, he'd never go near the White House again. That's not what people in Wyoming care about. And she knows that. And Dick Cheney knows that. Dick Cheney's been in politics long enough to know if you're a representative of Wyoming, you have to represent Wyoming, not represent the family against Donald Trump. But they don't care because they've always been selfish fucking trash, that family. It's always been selfish, neocon, warmongering trash. That's what the Cheneys are. So I'm glad she lost, and she lost really big. That's a good thing. Uh, another race is going on. Sarah Palin is running. You know, Alaska's behind, so we don't know exactly time. As a, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll know soon. Uh, Sarah Palin's running for Congress, right? Yes, and uh, Lisa Murkowski's running for re-election, and she might be in trouble because she voted to impeach Trump. Uh in the second trial, not the first one, I believe, the second one. So that's also stuff going on. So those are also big races. But the Cheney one is great. But once again, Liz Cheney didn't care if she won or not. She'll be like the martyr. Oh, yes, I'm such a martyr. I'm a martyr for doing the right thing. Yeah, right. right. Like we did the right thing going into Iraq, weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein was not allowed. All that bullshit. The Cheneys are just liars. They're born liars. They are born liars who only care about themselves and their own advancement and their only their own family name or whatever that fucking means. So enough of her. Good riddance to bad rubbish. At least I don't have to see her wretched face anymore. And that's victory enough. But you know, the Democrats have always been addicted to big government. This has always been the thing with Democrats, right? It's always been, they've always said Democrats, big government, liberals, big government, conservative Republicans, small government. That's, and that's always been the battle, right, between big government and small government. Can big government help you? 
Can big government help you? In your times of need, will big government come to your rescue? Whether it's uh, health care, whether it's a health crisis, you know, whether it's housing, uh, anything. Will big government come to your rescue? Is that what government's for, to come to your rescue? Now, there's been that battle between Republicans and Democrats. So this has always been known. This is not like a, um, what, what can I, this is not controversial, right? Republicans, big government, small government, Democrats, big government. But what we have seen, especially in the last two and a half or three years, is this incredible explosion of the Democrats' love of big government. Not just big government, but government that controls your lives. Government that tells you what to do. Big brother government. <laughs> That's really what it is, right? It's really like big brother government. And we saw that with the CDC for the last two and a half years. The CDC says you must wear a mask. The CDC says you must be vaccinated to get a job. The CDC says you now must have four vaccinations to get a job. So this is big government. This is, And the Democrats believed that big government controls your life. Big government tells you what to do. The big government says you must close your business. You must close your business. The big government says you must make sure people wear masks when they come into your business or we will fine you. Big government says this. Big government says that. We saw that with the CDC. This was big government on steroids, right? Like I said, big brother government. And now that's just been expanded with the Democrats putting in this fake bill. It's called the deficit reduction. It's the opposite. It's a, it's a deficit increase bill. But what they put in that is to make the IRS even bigger, make big government bigger. Now, I know Democrats have always been for big government. Democrats think big government is your daddy, that they will help you, that they can tell you what to do, that as long as you follow what they say, you'll be fine in life. This is their ideology. This is what they truly believe. I'm not being sarcastic. This is what they truly believe. I no longer believe this. I don't know if I ever did. I certainly don't now. Let's put it this way. I got a good lesson over the last two and a half years. So I, I'm more of the libertarian bent, where government has to be smaller, smaller government. There has to be some government, but it's got to be much smaller in scope. And adults need to be able to control their own lives and their children's lives, not government, not a politician, not a president. So what we're seeing with this, but I cannot believe that most Democrats believe that the IRS should be bigger, that there should be 80,000 more, and I believe it's doubled, right? 80,000 more IRS agents. Is that something Democrats, liberals really believe, that the IRS wasn't big enough? Now, how did they sell it? They sold it with another lie, just like this whole idea of uh, this being the debt by, by spending during a recession, by spending during 8.5% inflation, that the deficit is going to come down. We know it's only going to go up. Democrats are wrong economically. And there's hundreds of economics experts, economists that say they're wrong. But what they sold it as to the people is that this, these IRS agents, this group that can be heavily armed because they need to be able to kill someone if possible, that's, of course, in the job description, are going to go after bigwigs, are going to go after millionaires and billionaires who are working the loopholes. We know this is total bullshit. And Biden lied and said they won't go after anybody. These new IRS agents have been told, don't go after anyone that makes under $400,000 a year. Right. There aren't enough millionaires and billionaires to go around for all these IRS agents now. So, of course, they're going to go after the little guy. And we know 
Democrats might be naive enough to not believe, not understand this, but they'll go after the little guy because the little guy can't afford to hire lawyers to fend off the IRS. So if the little guy owes $827, they're just going to pay it. And that adds up with a lot of little guys, right? The big guys who owe $34 million will hire a lawyer and win, or hire a lawyer and get it caught up in the courts forever until they die and live have to pay the money. And this is how it works. So the IRS would rather go with the little guy and those $800,000, $900,000 you know, checks will add up as opposed to going after the big guy who's going to hire lawyers and just make their lives miserable. And they're not going to do that. We know that. This is common sense. This is what happens. So, of course, Biden's lying. Remember, this, the same guy who said if you're making under $400,000 a year, these IRS agents aren't going to go after you. The same guy who said if you're making $400,000 under $400,000, you won't be taxed. And that's bullshit. People that are making 100000 under $100,000 a year are going to be taxed. Now that tax is raised. This is the same guy who said, just wear masks for the first hundred days of my administration. So that would have taken us to what? About the end of April, early May of 2021. And then that'll be it. That was a lie. He still wears it now, the old fool. So, and this is the guy who said in July of 2021, just a little over a year ago, if you get these vaccines, you're not getting COVID. You can't get it. He lied again. So he just lies. I mean, Biden's a liar. Like the Cheney's are liars. All these all these like lifelong politicians are liars. That's why they've been able to stay around for so long. That's why they've been able to last a half a century. Because they're born liars. So there's nothing to be believed about this IRS. We know they're going to go after the little guy. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. But this is the Democrats' belief that big government is good. Big government is good. Whether it's telling you to wear a mask, whether it's telling you you must get a vaccine to work and support your family, or whether it's telling you that the IRS is definitely going to come after you, is definitely going to come after you, even if you owe a couple of hundred dollars. And that this will build government even bigger. So this uh, ideological fight between the left and the right, the Republicans and the Democrats, the conservative liberals of big government and small government. It's been proven. Believe me, I totally believed at one point in my life, not too long ago, that government could help you, right? That government could make drugs free, that government could give you health care, that government could run the health care system, that government, if run by the best people, could help you could lift you up. I no longer believe that. I no longer believe that. I no longer believe big government is here to help you. And I know Ronald Reagan had that famous quote where, you know, if, if someone knocks on your door and says, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you run the other way. That's absolutely true. And I, I think most of us now would run the other way and not believe that. So this addiction now, this addiction now to big government totally dominating our lives is, the, is what Democrats now stand for. And they're proving it over and over again. Once again, whether it's pushing the CDC, constantly pushing everything the CDC and Rochelle Walensky says as being, you know, uh, as though it's manna from heaven. And now this expansion of the IRS by 86,000 agents. And of course, the spending, this big spending, this constant idea of we're going to spend our way out of a deficit. 
We're going to spend our way out of recession. When it's proven over and over again. But when I say that word proven, it's almost like it does, that word proven doesn't matter to Democrats. You can prove over and over again that the vaccines don't work. You can prove over and over again that the masks didn't work. They don't care. Just their narrative. And their narrative is and will always be that big government is best. Government, no, the government knows the people you elect know better than you. The people you elect are better than you. The people you elect are smarter than you. You, the people who elect are your parents and you're the children and you must obey and you must listen to them. And we have seen over time, and we'll take it to the micro, the last two and a half years, how this is total bullshit, how it's just the opposite. These people are here to hurt you. These people are only to advance themselves and their own narrative and their own agenda, whether it be a new world order or a great reset or whatever it may be in their fucked up minds. That's what they're here for. That's what big government does for you. Big government is here to close your business and ruin it. Big government is here to make you muzzle your children to where they have developmental issues, to keep your children out of school for two or three years to where they have developmental issues, to fire you if you didn't get the vaccine so you can't support your family anymore or get your pension. This is what big government has done to us. Everything they've done is bad. Everything big government has done is bad. When the people are able to control their own lives, that's when we see good happen. And those of us that said that from day one with COVID and all the masking and vaccines were 100% right. The great Barrington Declaration was exactly right, which that let adults decide for themselves what their risk factor is, to let natural immunity happen, to get through this quicker, to not delay the inevitable. Everything we said that would be small government, which is adults, the citizenry taking responsibility for themselves would have been better. The results would have been much better with the economy, with COVID deaths, with injuries from the vaccines, with injuries from the masks, with injuries and deaths that happened because people were afraid to go to hospitals and so on and so forth that we've talked about a million times. Everything would have been better if big government kept its grubby, big, greasy, gross, disgusting hands off this thing. So, we have been, it's been proven just recently that big government is bad, that big government is absolutely awful. There's no doubt in my mind now, as a, a guy who was a total proponent of Medicare for all, Bernie Sanders, Medicare for all, totally into the idea. I have no doubt now that would destroy the system, that would destroy the medical system. If we let the government come in and get rid of private insurance, if if you told me three years ago, four years ago, I'd be saying this in 2022, I'd say you're crazy. You're crazy. But the proof is in the pudding, baby. The proof is in what they've done over the last, when they tried to handle this health emergency and what they did, just much more damage than good. Remember, Donald Trump was the one that said in April or May of 2020, we can't let the cure be worse than the disease. And people said, oh, how crazy. Oh, he's crazy. He's nuts. He's a fascist. Well, the cure wasn't worse than the disease. The cure was about 80,000 times worse than the disease. And that's because of big government getting its grubby little hands on things. We cannot trust this government here. 
I don't know about the French government and how they've handled, uh, you know, their their medical system or the British government. I hear better things. I, you know, the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the Nordic countries, Switzerland, you know, uh, uh, also uh, Sweden, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, how they handle their healthcare system. But we saw how Sweden handled COVID, and it was much better than us. So supposedly a socialist, more of a socialist model country than we are. And they handled COVID much better than we did. So I don't know enough about their healthcare systems or their governments. But I know our government and the way it's set up and the way they handled COVID can never be trusted, can never be trusted to run a healthcare system. Absolutely not. They've destroyed everything they've put their hands on from A to Z. And now they're expanding the IRS. And we know only, only tragedy is going to come of that. We know more, you know, who's going to be targeted? Just like with COVID regulations, small businesses will be targeted by the new, by the 70,000, 80,000 new IRS employees, by the expanding of the IRS. It's not going to, just the way the COVID, listen to me, people, just the way the COVID regulations didn't hurt big businesses, didn't hurt Bill Gates, didn't hurt Jeff Bezos. In fact, it helped them. They got richer. It's the same thing with the expansion of the IRS. It will hurt small businesses. It will hurt small businesses. It will not hurt the wealthy. The wealthy will get off scot-free when they skirt around the laws and they save $20 million or $30 billion. The little guy, the little guy who needs maybe that extra $105 in their bank account that claims something, claims a dependent or claims something that's not maybe 100% on the level, they're the ones that are going to get hurt. They're the ones that are going to get hurt because the little guy can't afford to lose that $100. The billionaire can afford to lose that $10 billion. More than the little guy can afford to lose 100 bucks, or a small business can afford to lose $10,000. We know this is going to hurt. They're going to come after small businesses and the little guy, not the wealthy. Same as the COVID stuff. The exact same, will have the exact same results. So how do we get the Democrats off their big government addiction? I, I don't know. The only, actually, the only way to, to solve the problem is to elect Republicans. Do I have faith this country will? Absolutely not. And we've talked about, I talked about this with John Ziegler last week. You know, I have no, if you look at the polls, I have absolutely no, uh, I, I, expectations for for the for the people of this country to do the right thing on November 8th. I don't. I, I have zero expectations now. And I think it's simply because of, of selfishness of, well, we're past COVID now, eh, whatever happened. We're past it now. The Democrats are running everything. And we got past it while the Democrats are running everything. So eh, elect them again. I, I just, it, it's confounding to me. It really is. But let me... As I've been talking for a half hour here, let me go to a caller. Hey, Greg, are you there? Greg, are you are you with us? Yes. Can Greg. you hear me? I got you loud and clear. Isn't there a contradiction when you say that uh, that these European governments did so much better with their healthcare system, but that those are the big government models? Actually, I don't know. I, as as I, I think I just said, I don't know. I, I don't. 
I've always been, I've always thought, I'm being honest with you, like I said, I was very much for Medicare for all and all that up until a couple of years ago, but I don't know exactly what their healthcare, I, I don't know enough about it. Okay. I, I don't, I lived in Canada for a couple of years and I know that most people um, who I spoke to when I was there um, had no real problems with their system. I don't know exactly what it is or exactly how it works or exactly how much they got to pay or if they have to pay anything or what the weights are for doctors or, or how, but I, I know I living there for two years. I never heard them say, Oh, this healthcare system sucks. And obviously I hear a lot of people here <laughs> say our healthcare system sucks. It does. So I, I don't know exactly how they run it. I don't know exactly how their government is made. It's a different government. It's a different system than we have here. Right. They have a different system of government. They have a parliamentary system. So I, I don't know. I, I, once again, I, I don't know the positives and negatives. I don't know the positives and negatives. I'm just saying that from my experience over the last two and a half years and the way this government handled COVID, I don't think I can trust the American government the way it's currently constituted to, to handle the healthcare system. And they, they, well, lost most, my, uh, they lost my trust. Most of the people on the Medicare also, I think, feel about the same way that the Canadians feel about their healthcare system. So why don't you support Medicare for all anymore? Well, I, I do in a way support Medicare for all. Actually, I know a lot of people on Medicare who complain about the system. In, in fact, that they pay too much. That they, they uh, you know, I have, I, I currently have um, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. I've had that since the inception. It's what, 20, 2014, eight years. And I pay less. I, I personally pay less per month than a lot of people I know who are on Medicare who pay more than they have the, the different, different parts you know, the Part D, the ex extra stuff, and they paid maybe twice as much as I do, and they're 80 years old, you know. And, I, and so I, don't, I, I, I hear them complain a lot, too. I, really, I do. I hear them complain about that you could change that system and make it better. But I know as it's currently constituted, I, I do hear them complain about it. It sounds to me like you do support socialized health care. No, I don't. I don't think I do support socialized. I don't. I, I support the idea. Let me say, I support the idea that everyone should be able to get health coverage. I support the idea that if you need to go to a doctor, you should be able to go to a doctor. Whether you can afford to pay $20 to the doctor, $100 to the doctor, or $15,000 to the doctor, you should have the right to go to a doctor. You should have the right, if you have to, to go for an operation, whether you can afford to pay fully for that operation or whether you can afford to pay nothing for that operation. And I'm open to ideas of how this can happen. And how this can be run by a government in a legitimate way that doesn't fuck everything up. But I just don't have the, I don't have the confidence after the last two and a half years in this government now to do that. I, I think they can make a bad thing worse. I really do. I believe this government right now can make a bad thing worse. And that, that, that I'm being honest with you. That's the way I feel. And I think they've earned that from me, the way they've handled things over the last two and a half years. And that's it. You know, I mean, the Affordable Care Act has its positives and has its negatives. It's very narrow. If you're uh, making over a certain amount of money, which isn't much, or you're over a certain age, you, you can get it, or the premiums are five, six, seven hundred a month, just like regular private insurance. So you see, there, there's, there's, a, there's a description right there, the ACA, right? It was a big deal when it happened. Remember Biden saying, this is a huge deal, Barack, a big deal. And for some people, it is, but it, it doesn't really work because it's such a, so few people can benefit from it. So few people can benefit. So there's a government, a big government coming up with an idea 
it doesn't really work that well. So we need to go to the drawing board on this whole thing. I, I don't like the fact, I'm, I'm still with Bernie, I don't like the fact that so many people can't see a doctor. I don't like the fact that people have to go to the emergency room in order to get something done. And of course, we have to pay for that anyway in the end. So I, 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 something needs to be done. Maybe there's someone out there who's more of a healthcare expert who can tell me what can be done and what this government can be trusted to do. Greg, where, where do you live, Greg? I live in Europe, so I know oh. something about okay, these so things. You're, so you're in Europe. Are, are you from Europe or did you move to Europe? I moved to Europe. You From this country, from America, in the U.S.? That's right. Okay, so where you are, are the people generally happy with the healthcare system? Yes. And as, as far as the, the getting an appointment, not taking forever. This is, this is the stuff that people in this country who have never lived in other countries hear all the time. They hear things like, it takes forever to get an appointment to see a doctor. By the time you see the doctor, you're, you're stage four cancer. If you need an operation, you're on this wait list. You're waiting months. Is that true or not true? Um. I don't think it, it, it's not true to the point that it's a negative. Um, you, your doctor will talk to you and he or she will say like, we're going to schedule th this in six weeks. And, but it's not, because, um, there's a long waiting list or something. That's just because that's their, um, call on when that would be the best time to do it. Um, I haven't, really heard any stories that uh, people are are in, endangered because of waiting lists or anything like that. I know I can go see my doctor at, pretty much at a drop of a hat if I want to. And is there any kind of a payment system at all? Do you have to pay anything? You just pay it through your taxes. Um, well, actually, here in this country, it's funny. It's actually... Um, there are two large insurance companies that are state run, but they still are companies and you pay into one or the other, but it's also state subsidized. So for example, for me, it's like uh, 30 bucks a month. Oh, that's nothing though. I mean, it's a, it's a right. <laughs> drop in the bucket. It's, literally. It's Literally the same amount as what before I had health insurance here. It was the same amount I paid for the meds. Now it's just like, so it's kind of like I get everything. Yeah, it's it's nothing like you say. And does that include, like, if you need medication, do you have to pay for that? Or is that like? It, it depends. Um, a lot of medicine is free. And if you do have to pay, it's also subsidized. So it's going to be really low dollars. So, and and you find that the healthcare system, as far as the the quality of the doctors, the quality of the hospitals, the quality of the care, is still is still pretty good. I think um, you know there's a kind of gray area, like a fifty fifty. I would say that the average doctor in the United States is probably slightly better trained and educated. Mm. I think the system for making doctors here is, I think it's not as arduous. Um, but when you have all this uh, access to the healthcare system and uh, there's a large and functioning healthcare system the way it is, uh, it ends up being kind of just as good as 
you know, there's going to be still plenty of doctors who are, have been around for years and are very experienced and in effect are as good as the, um, my point is that the doctors coming out of medical school in the United States are probably better as a brand new graduate of the medical schools here because it's so arduous in the United States. But, um, overall that in the long run, that doesn't make it a negative here. Right. Well, that's interesting. You see, and I, once again, I, I guess this varies by country. I don't know if every European, maybe you, you're in Europe, maybe you get around. Do you find that most European countries have a similar system? They, they often do, or they have, or it's simply totally government run. Like I find it a little interesting here in the country where I am that they have, um, these two, you can I get into one company or the other company, and uh, for some, you can choose. And um, on the other hand, in other countries, it, there's nothing like that. It's just one big system. Okay, so it varies a little bit. There are tweaks here and there that are different, basically. That's right. Like I think in Britain, it's the natural. In Britain, the national health system is one gigantic conglomerate. Right. And but you do find that there's no real problem as far as you're concerned with like with like government red tape or getting things done. There's no like interference. It's between you and your doctor. And if you're in other words, if your doctor says, Okay, Greg, we need you to send you for an MRI or a CAT scan or something, there's no big paperwork that has to be filled out. There's no government that has to say yes or no to that. You can just do it. Is that the way it oh, works? That, that's the way it works, yes. So the the doctor says it's done and it gets done. Exactly. That's great. I can't I, that's great. I mean, it's the way it should be. There should be no government in between. There should be no healthcare system, a health uh, company, you know, insurance company in between either, you know. So that's uh, great. Like I said, look, I fought for Medicare for all. I was a Bernie grad. I've said it a million times on this show. I voted for Bernie in 2020. It's just with the way this government handled, including Bernie, handled the, the COVID situation has made me think twice. And once again, I've now become much more of a small government guy. So trying to get this to work here within a system of, let's say, a smaller government where there isn't any interference, where they don't fuck it up totally. I don't know, Greg. I, I've lost. So uh, your, maybe I'll your gain politics, confidence that the right people are elected in the future. Your politics changed during the COVID pandemic? Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, it has totally changed. And there's other do stuff you can address too. I don't like it. Do you think there's any, any chance that you're experiencing some kind of uh, COVID trauma and that would. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a very good question. Do I have because to? because when I talk to you, this is long COVID political trauma. <laughs> it could be. Because, I don't know. You never know. What's you know when I when I talk to you, funny. you sound like a you sound like you're a, a thoughtful and regular person who understands. I'm a libertarian. How about people. maybe I could be a libertarian socialist? <laughs> a social libertarian. I, I think. <laughs> I think it, you know, I, when I talk to you, I hear like a thoughtful and person who understands the complexities of life. And um, I think it would be more true to your character not to support this. Um, you know, the Republicans have just become a white supremacist insurrectionist well, organization. That, that I disagree with. That that's that's mostly look. Yes, there are there are, there are fascists everywhere on both sides. I mean, there's fascism when it says white people are better than black people. There's also fascism that says I'm telling you to close your business for a year. So there's fascism all around. But I think it's all, the hypocritical thing is saying one thing is fascism, one thing's not. And I think when you talk about white supremacy, that's a very, very, very tiny, tiny percentage of people in this country. And the, the left wing media makes it out to be more. 
because that's a narrative they want to push, that all Trump supporters are white supremacists. Well, I could easily, I didn't vote for Trump, but I could easily vote for Trump in 2024 if the situation's right and then the wrong people are running against him. I may easily vote for Trump in 2024. It doesn't make me a white, I don't all of a sudden become a white supremacist from being a Berniecrat for eight years. It's just, I think we, uh, I hate to use the word evolve, that's Hillary Clinton's word. But um, I like to say that a thoughtful person can say, you know what? Maybe this country is going in the wrong direction because of this, that, and the other thing. Maybe the Democrat Party is not what it used to be, right? Maybe they've changed. Maybe this wokeness has taken over. Maybe this idea of, of uh, you know, of, of controlling people's lives have this power, the power that's given to them um, has taken but over. Isn't, you know. isn't it the Republicans that have changed dramatically? I mean, you're... You're railing against Cheney is a perfect example. Like there used to be these old school classic conservatives, and uh, now it's the party of MAGA. Well, I'd rather have the party of MAGA than the party of, of, of Cheney and neocon. Let's remember something. Donald Trump was the only president in a long line of presidents where there was no new wars started. I mean, you're talking about the ne- you, you want the neocon Republicans back? What what Republican? What, so is that is that? I mean. It doesn't make any sense. You're saying that you tell me the Bush Cheney regime is, is you're making like, you're is making comforting? a good argument. You're making a good argument for rejecting both both aspects of the Republican Party. I, I, I tell you the truth. I like the anti-establishment aspects of both parties. You see, that's why I became a Bernie Crad. I like the anti-establishment part of that party, and I like the anti-establishment part of the. This is why, for all those years. And Trump supporters and Bernie supporters were so pissed off when people did this, especially Bernie's boy, when they said, well, Bernie and Trump are kind of the same. Okay, political, ideological, no. But the idea is they're coming from outside, especially Trump. Bernie has been a politician forever, but he's been independent forever. They're coming from outside the party, the party loyalists. In other words, I like to say it, like in a Godfather, they don't kiss the ring of the party establishment. They go after them. That's what Bernie did during his campaigns. He went after the Democratic establishment, pissing off a lot of establishment politicians like Clinton, like Biden, like the like the CNN, like MSNBC people, pissing them off because he would go after the Democrat and expose them for their faults. And that's the same thing the Republican did. He would go after the establishment people like Bush and Cheney. He would go after that, after that establishment. And that's why the Cheneys hate him. So I think the anti-establishment elements of both parties are much more appealing than the establishment parts of both parties. So that's that's where I am right now. That's that's really where I am right now. Um, well, I would um, I would kind of agree with you in a way. Like the Republicans are either neocons or they're MAGA, but uh, MAGA is that is a it's an insurrectionist. It, you know, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Charlottesville tells yeah, us. But what Charlottesville, now, come on, Charlottesville. Charlottesville. So what about the what about the riots in July of 20 in the summer of 2020? The George Floyd riots where they were burning down buildings and burning down uh, businesses. Come on. You can talk about that, too. But the media will talk about Charlottesville. Charlottesville was one day, a day and a half that the George Floyd thing was months and months and months. And nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever negatively. Oh, don't worry about COVID. You can do that. That's fine. You, you can do all that. Don't worry about spreading COVID. But oh no, you go to a rally and a biker rally, and they're spreading COVID. You see, it's the it's the hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy that bothers a lot of people. It's the hypocrisy to be consistent. Yeah, go after Charlottesville, and believe me, 
Many Republicans I know hated that. They hated that. But go after everyone equally. Don't just say, you know, just eliminate the you know, positive, you know, or eliminate negative, accentuate the positive. When it comes to your narrative, pushing your narrative is the most important thing. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, no matter what events happen, no matter what facts or evidence get in the way, eliminate them. Only talk about your narrative. Now, MAGA means make America great again. I, I thought that was always a brilliant marketing thing. I don't have any problem, to say the truth, with the fundamental idea of make America great again. Now, we will all disagree on what goes into making America great again. But America first is not a bad policy. Meaning, stop with these fucking wars. Stop getting involved in everyone else's business. Stop being the policeman of the world. That's also part of Make America Great Again, America First. I like that aspect of Trump. I think, and you, you, we're going to argue about this, and I want to get to the next caller, but I'll talk to you for another second. I think when most people's, most people's problem with Trump is his appearance and attitude and his superficial way he presents himself, which is in this very boorish, New York, fuck you style. That's what gets to people more than anything else is his style, his presentation. I truly believe if Donald Trump were, let's say, in the style of Ronald Reagan, but saying the exact same things, pushing the exact same policies, there would not be the hatred of Trump that we have. Remember, a lot of people don't take to that East Coast style. A lot of people just don't take to it, to, to that uh, boorish, in-your-face style, which Trump has. It's a, it's a negative for him as far as being president of the United States and leader of the free world. But And I certainly don't want him to be president again. I've said many times I'm not a Donald Trump fan. I don't want him to be president again. But I think his, I really think a lot of the problems people have with Trump are superficial. And a lot of it is also spurred on by the mainstream media who are absolutely in cahoots with the Democrats. They all vote Democrat. They'll give to Democrats. Look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. Ninety-nine percent of those people have given to Democrats, not Republicans. It's there's a bias. There's a huge media bias. But you know what? We'll we'll leave that for another time. Greg, thanks for calling. I appreciate it, and thanks for the information about the healthcare system. Greg, you there? Okay. Anyway, thanks for the call, Greg. I I do appreciate it. Who are we going to hear next? Who's who's next up? Oh, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. I think Daniel has something to offer about health care. Yeah, but first, Mike, I've got to get angry. Get angry, Daniel. Go ahead. Okay. Um, just a comment on, on, on some of Greg's comments before we move on to the health care question. He congratulated you for being thoughtful, which is that's nice because you are thoughtful. Um, but immediately he launches into this thoughtlessness of uh, branding Republicans as white supremacists and um, and uh, insurrectionists. And I just say, hey, Greg, try exercising some of that thoughtfulness, would you, buddy? I've been a I was a Democrat Democrat for forty four years, but um, my sixty my sixty second birthday almost. I bailed on the party. Yes, Greg, because of what they did in COVID, they stripped away our rights to bodily autonomy. That is a big deal. If you don't see that as a big deal, I really feel sorry for you, Betty. Now moving on to to Medicare. Um, it would be, I have always been for, for well, always for a very long time. 
I've always supported Medicare for all. But with that right, if we're going to make Medicare a right, comes responsibilities for its citizens. And our citizens simply are not up to the task of accepting that responsibility. And that is the fundamental problem we are going to run into with Medicare for all. Back in 1970, we spent approximately 7% of our GDP on health care. Presently, it is over 20%. It is unsustainable for us to do this. And much of this cost comes from one disease, and that's obesity. Over 10% of our population is diagnosed with diabetes. And they, they soak up tons and tons of money from our healthcare expenditure treating their diabetes and all the sequela that is the complications that come from diabetes, whether it's atherosclerosis, whether it's kidney disease, whether it's infections of the skins and the extremities and amputations, et cetera, et cetera. They soak up a ton of money. They and on top of that, we have the non-obese part of the population, which is simply way overweight, and they are burdened with atherosclerosis and heart disease. And then there's the smokers, that the COPD, and the drug-addicted that have fungal endocarditis because they're injecting with dirty needles and, they, and abscesses in their spinal cord because of, those, because of fungal infections, on and on and on. When I was in medical school, we were told that approximately 75% of all hospitalizations are due to lifestyle. I wonder what that number is right now. I am betting that it's probably somewhere around 95%. And this is the problem that we have and are going to have in this what is going to cause Medicare for All or the NHS in UK to crumble. You have um, ads going up all over the UK, help save our NHS. They're asking people, they're pleading with people to be responsible. It's not going to work, at least not in the present form, because we are giving away health care and asking nothing from people. If we continue to do that, we will have the poorest health care for all rather than Medicare for all. You know, Daniel, that's going to cripple us economically. Yeah. Daniel, that's a great thing you just said, that people need to give something back. Once again, this is the idea that the evidence we think government will save you, government will save you, and people have to be taking personal responsibility and doing the right thing. You're right. Give, we're, we're giving you access, free access, or very cheap access to, med to, med to, to, to uh, medicine, medical care, you need to give us something in return. And, and, the right. question, and the question is, so how do we do that as a society? How do we do that? How do we go about making sure that people keep their obesity, well, not under control, that they eliminate obesity, that we go back to your obesity rates of 1960? We, we went through, <laughs> through our millions of years of evolution, us and our ancestors, our primate ancestors, without any of us being obese. And it's only over the last few decades has this crept into our lifestyle. And this has to end. It has to end or it's going to cripple us. Right now, obesity is a national security issue. If not for obesity, we would not have had the SARS-CoV-2 epidemic. 95% of those who succumbed to the uh, COVID were were had at least two and a half chronic diseases, almost all of those chronic diseases caused by being overweight or obese. Without that, we would have had on the order of someplace around maybe 10,000 people die with, with um, deaths attributed to COVID. 
rather than the uh, supposed one million, this simply would have not have been an issue. We have spent tens of trillions of dollars in this country alone on COVID. And that money is going to come out of education. It is going to come out of healthcare itself, what we're talking about right now. Those tens of trillion dollars is going to come from space in our future budgets, and that is going to limit health care. That money was shifted upward, shifted upward to mega, mega, mega trillionaire um, pharmaceutical companies. And anyone applauding what they did with COVID policy, pushing vaccines on people, is simply nuts. They are simply unmoored to reality and facts. It has complicated the problem of Medicare for all tremendously in the future. We are not going to be able to afford education. We're not going to be able to form, be able to form, afford medical care for people because of what they did during COVID. Once back, once again, doubling back to COVID. Yes, Greg, it changed a lot of our people, a lot of people's minds about government and our politics, our former politics, because of what they did. So, get a clue, Greg. Well, you know, it's their it's their fault. It's not our fault. I mean, it's their fault. They they caused this. They 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 caused people to switch from Democrat to Republican, or at least temporarily, if not permanently. You know, they they're the ones they're the ones that have caused. You know, they that you know, Florida's now people have moved. People moved from California and and, uh, and New York to Texas and Florida for that reason. You know, there's a reason why California and New York lost a congressional district, and Texas and Florida gained one. There's a reason why Florida now has two hundred thousand more Republicans. Than Democrats and the largest gap in history of them Republican. There's a reason why they, this is the Democrats have to take some responsibility for what they've done over the last two and a half years. It's not like we've all just made this up. I mean, Greg, it's, that's a funny thing to say that I might have this COVID hangover, you know. But to me, this is not a blip in time. This is a never forget situation. We've talked about this before. This is a very big thing that happened, and we can, we, we can never forgive and forget. We must punish. People must heads are going to have to roll before I ever look back and ever consider the Democratic Party. They're, they're, they're simply going to have to become a new a new party. Uh, Greg uh, and many others like him seem to think that the uh, Democrats in this country are still liberals. They're not, Greg. They're illiberals. It's a big, big difference. Conservatives hey, you know have become the new. Crazy. I'm not going to go crazy if you don't like the two party system. I'm not going to go crazy if you think both parties suck in their own ways. I'm not going to go crazy about that. I've I've talked about that many times over the, my lifetime in politics. Of you, have. you know, but you have to be able to look at what's happened recently. What have you done with me lately, baby? And exactly. The last two and a half years has been a pox on the Democratic Party. Pox, a monkey pox on both parties. But who's the party that has abused the shit out of this over the last two and a half years? It's the Democrats. So we but, have to we have to let these people know that this is not permissible. That and and what I'm afraid story. of, Daniel, Daniel, what I'm afraid of, I'm, I'm in a minute, when I let you go, I'll, I'll, I'm going to play a, a two-minute tape of Ron DeSantis talking about, once again, Democrats masking children in this upcoming school year uh, and masking parents they want to go see their children in schools and all that nonsense. Okay. But, um, I, I, but I really think, I, I, I really think that, in, like I said, there needs to be some kind of a punishment element here, too, before we can move on. And I think the problem with the people right now when it comes to the November election is that too many people are like, well, okay, we're through it. It was a bad period. Maybe Democrats did a few things wrong, but we're we're through it now. So I'm not going to vote for Republicans. I'm not going to vote for the party of Trump. I think that's unfortunately, and and I think think Greg made that point, even though it doesn't live in this country anymore, that I think too many people are going to forgive and forget too easily, and they're not going to vote. They're going to vote for Democrats again. Well, they they may think they're through it. 
but the worst is yet to come. Those tens of trillions of dollars spent is going to impact their life going forward greatly. And they and when it comes to their children's education that was disrupted for two and a half years, tears, that's going to impact their whole lives. They may think that they're through it. Those are really narcissistic people that are telling telling others that they're through it. That must be people that uh, don't have children. That must be people that weren't kicked out of their jobs because they didn't take the world's shittiest thing. Um, before you let me go, I want to say one more th- one thing about the IRS. Um, the other day, I asked <laughs> yeah. you about what the number of employees at the IRS was, and I looked that up after asking you. And right. uh, it was about 74,000 full-time right. employees. So they, they fired twice as many, right? They've hired twice so as they've, many. Yeah. So they're more than doubling the size of IRS. If you think that's not going to cause some problems. <laughs> and I just can't believe we're in a time. See, once again, another reason why I can't be positive. I can't believe there's a time now where Democrats think this is okay. A this time when we thing. have record How can they inflation. vote for the party? It just doubled the IRS. Yeah. That's at, not the Republicans time. that did that. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing this at a time when we have record inflation. And and people are getting many, many, many people that are middle class are just getting wiped out by that record inflation. They're, they're, they have no savings. They're, 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 what they might have put into savings in the past, that, that's gone. They're barely right. trading they have fooled Once again, they have fooled people, just like they did during, during COVID. They have fooled people into believing. The Democrats have fooled people into believing, oh, we're, gonna, we're doing this to go after the wealthy Republicans. We're doing this to go after the wealthy millionaires and billionaire crooked criminals. And, of course, we know that's not – they're going to go after you, baby. They're going after you and me. Yeah. So here, here's my challenge to not just Greg but to every liberal out there that, that um, wants uh, Medicare for all, which is something I would like. But I want it, to, but I want it with restrictions. That is – um, you have to have some responsibilities uh, that go with this right of having Medicare if we're going to give you that right. And that responsibility is to stay fit. That's under your control. Do it or pay much, much higher premiums when this Medicare for all yeah. comes around. You know, another thing people need to do is stop smoking and stop this vaping shit. And I got, I'll share one thing with you. I know you'll love this, Daniel. So there's this guy in my building who has been this total, you can tell he's a total, anyway, lefty, he, he's total COVID nut for the last two and a half years. This guy wore a mask, two masks, and those rubber gloves, you know, rubber gloves. He would come out of the building wearing two masks and, a, and those rubber gloves for years. No visor? Yes, yes. No visor, no, no, but two masks and the rubber <laughs> gloves. I'm like, where are you going with those rubber gloves? Are you going to give someone a, you know, a rectal exam? But he was so, now at least he doesn't wear the, but today I see him, he comes out of my building. I was standing outside. No longer has the gloves, so he's making some kind of uh, progress with his OCD, but still wearing the mask. So the guy wears a mask, comes out of his apartment, puts a mask on to go outside the building, outside in the open air, walks 20 feet down, pulls the mask down, and starts smoking. <laughs> oh, is, isn't that isn't that so... Doesn't that emblematic? Isn't that so emblematic of everything that we saw going on across the country the last two and a half years? All the people going into their fits and tirades in grocery stores, screaming at people to put their mask on. What were they? They were all obese. <laughs> yeah, and so and so you're you're worried. You're paranoid still enough to wear a mask outside for twenty five seconds. You're outside. You're paranoid of getting a uh, a respiratory virus. Yeah, smoke. All these all these people screaming at you, put a mask on for my health, for my health. When you're thinking, weren't you the one that was supposed to be taking care of your health all these, you know, these decades? Look what you let yourself become. Exactly. You know, <laughs> Jeez. It's, it's, 
it. Well, I thought you liked it. Daniel, thanks a lot. I'm going to play yeah. the Ron DeSantis thing. Okay. All right. So before we go, I'm going to play this Ron DeSantis clip. As you know, students have gone back to school uh, last, next week or so. Everyone will be back in school. And a lot of these cities, all Democrat-run and Democrat-run states, are making kids mask again. Once again, we know masks don't work and the kids have no chance of getting cold. We know all the facts, the real facts. Yet they're making kids wear masks again. We know about the developmental problems, young kids learning to speak for the first time. We know about, and they're making parents wear masks. They want to go into the schools. Here's Ron DeSantis. Yeah, can you hear that? No. (laughs) Hold on, I'm going to try to get this to play. But this is once again, once again, this is the only guy who's made sense over the last two and a half years. And he's a researcher saying, oh man, the masks uh, will hurt the kids. Now we we banned the masks in Florida um, uh, with with the legislature, with the Parents' Bill of Rights and, and, and other actions. But, you know, the reality is that was not grounded in data. It was not grounded in evidence. It was basically the current thing. You know, people would put in their Twitter profile a mask and a, and a, and a syringe, and that was like their identity. And it was ridiculous. They lied to us about the mRNA shots. They said if you take it, you will not get COVID. That is false. That is not true. And they continue to say, even now when the evidence is so overwhelming, uh, that not only is that not true, people that have multiple boosters, you know, you're at, you're definitely at risk of getting it. There's no question about that. So, so it's just time and time again, I think you've seen ideology placed over over data and evidence. And then what happens is, is that they will say something like, okay, six weeks of masks will end COVID. So that's what they claim. It doesn't happen. And then what they'll do is they will kind of move the goalposts and say, well, you know, only 95% wore it. So now, and they will constantly uh, try to shift because they will never admit that their ideology was was incorrect. So that's very, very dangerous when you're looking at all these things. So that's a problem with our society that we're grappling with. And what I've said in the state of Florida, because we've taken on woke corporations, we've taken on ESG, obviously in the classroom, we've battled a lot of ideologies. But what I've said is that the state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, we are not going to let this state, we're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts. And that's just really, really important. So anyways, thank you guys for being here. God bless you all. So that's the guy I want to be president, not Donald Trump. And look at the way he presents himself, right? He present, he's a strong speaker, but not the belligerence that Trump has, not calling people out and calling them losers. I, I, we'll talk more about this in the coming days, but I still can't see why any Republican. Yes, I understand this idea of revenge, Trump getting revenge against all these people. who go, I, I get it, but you can't. You, look, that feels good for a day or two, but this is the guy who should be president of the United States. This is the guy who needs to be president of the United States, period. So anyway, that has been... We'll talk more about this in the next couple of days. Um, you've been listening to and Let's Be Heard. I want to thank my callers. I want to thank Greg. I want to thank Daniel. I want to thank everyone that's listened to me. Um, and Let's Be Heard is the name of this podcast. My name is Mike Catropoli. And remember, always remember, got to do this. You got to vote Democrats out of office. You got to vote them out now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.